Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the fifth part in our series, Going Through the Book of Galatians. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Come on, we're here for one reason and one reason only. That's just to worship Jesus. And uh, he's just worthy of all of our praise. So we're um, in a series. I'll talk all about it. Uh, but we're reading a book called Galatians. And we're two chapters in. Start in chapter 3 today, so I'm just going to read uh, just a portion of scripture to, to kind of get us going, and then you guys can take a seat. So Galatians chapter 3, this is a man named Paul. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. So I want to learn just one thing from you. Let me just learn one thing. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish that after beginning by means of the Spirit, you're now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So I'm going to ask you one more time. Like a parent, you guys know that part? I'm just going to ask you one more time. Did God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? You guys don't have verse 6, but verse 6 says, So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. I want to call our message today the God of grace. The God of grace. You guys can, come on, let's make some noise one more time for Jesus. You can be seated. So glad that every person could be here today. Thank you so much, worship team. Um, Man, were they good today or what? You guys are awesome. Just honor you uh, in this place. Hey, if anyone here is new or visiting, uh, my name is Harrison, and just so glad I can share with you this morning. Every person online, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. We love you. Um, <clears throat> just honor you as well. So, uh, as I mentioned, we are in a series right now going through the book of Galatians. Uh, if you do not know, we are in part five. Let's go. Uh, I, was, I was talking to Jake this morning, and I said, this series will probably be between like eight and ten weeks. So uh, that means we're like halfway through. We are halfway through our series going through the book of Galatians. Just really quickly, just I'd love to know, how many guys have been here uh, at all for this series? This is in no way um, for you to feel prideful, but who's, who's heard every part of this series so far? <laughs> Come on, a few people. Uh, so listen, we are in uh, week five of this series, um, and that means that literally we've been in it for four weeks already. So uh, I have a job today, and it's really my job every single week. Uh, I want to continue this series and kind of keep it going, but my job is to also, for, for every person that's just hopping in today, this is your very first time, like for some of you guys it's part five, but I know for a lot of us it's part one, like I haven't been here, Harrison. Um, and so I say that to say that I preach in series and uh, kind of like Netflix, you know, and so uh, in that sense, like this is episode five. Uh, however, if you're hopping in on episode five, unlike, you know, like whatever you're watching these days, um, it's going to make sense. That's, that's all I'm saying. It's going to make sense. I'm going to make it make sense whether it's part five for you or part one. However, if this is part one for you, um, it's still part five. So <laughs> when you leave this place, just book off the next four hours of your life and go watch parts one, two, three, and four because it's going to be so much better. It's like Lord of the Rings, but The Hobbit makes it better. You know what I'm saying? So 
Fun fact, I've never seen any of them. So we're in Galatians, and where we're going to pick it up, basically, if you've missed it or if you've been with us, you know that this book has one theme and one central theme above all, and that is that the message of Jesus is good news. Jesus has done something. Jesus has made a way where there is no way. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And this is good news because what it means is that you have done nothing in and of yourselves. You could do nothing in order to attain what God has done for you. And that is great news. And one thing that I'm contesting, and I'm going to say it again today, is that when you think of Jesus and what he's done for you, if it does not elicit a response inside of you, if you are not excited, if I have to pry a smile out of you when I start to talk about Jesus, all it means, it's not a bad thing, it just means you haven't quite yet experienced the grace and the goodness of Jesus. Because when you experience the true grace of Jesus, you are changed forever. There's no going back. And so I just have this belief that is seated inside of me that people, because a lot of times it's like, you know what, like I have friends and I'm sure they've heard about Jesus, but they don't really care. I just have this belief that with, if anyone could hear, experience, understand the real Jesus, the true Jesus, everything would change. And so my hope is that in this series, Jesus has been and or will be exciting you and changing something inside of you because what he has done for us is so, so good. He's made a way where there was no way. And because of Jesus, you, yes, you and I can be seen as righteous in the sight of God, which is amazing. So the book of Galatians, um, it's got... Uh, chapters, but it's really split into three sections. And so uh, the first section, Paul was defending the gospel. We were on the defense, right? Last week, you guys saw he was calling out Peter, saying, hey, what are you doing? Um, This week, as we kind of move into the second half of the book of Galatians, um, it's more the, um, not so much a defense anymore, but now he's explaining So he's kind of been defending, like, hey, this is what the gospel is not, got to keep it pure, so on and so forth. As we shift to this next section, which we're going to study today, now he's really explaining and expounding the gospel. In other words, I want it to make sense. I want you to understand what it is. And so um, the last part is which Paul applies the gospel. We'll get there in a couple weeks. But right now, um, and for the next couple weeks, we're really going to explain this idea of the good news. What is it? So... As we do that today, um, I'm going to once again give the context for what's going on. So basically, the book of Galatians was written to a whole bunch of churches in a region called Galatia, and there's some conflict going on. You guys remember the conflict? Cool, you don't? I'm going to bring you back in. So in this church, there's two groups of people. There's Jews and there's non-Jews. The Bible calls them Gentiles. So um, what we said, just maybe it changed this week. Anyone here of Jewish heritage this morning? No one? Okay, cool. So once again, we're a church full of Gentiles because um, there's no Jews here. So in the churches in the region of Galatia, there's these two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jewish believers who followed what was known as the law, if you want to get a snapshot of the law, you can take your Bible, go read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, the law for them was kind of life. Their obedience to this was their marker. It separated them from everyone else. And so as the church, the Christian church is forming, the Jewish believers want the Gentile believers to conform to the ways of what is called the law. Most specifically, the outer parts of the law, meaning the things that you do 
that everyone else sees. So there was three we talked about. Circumcision. If you don't know what that is, ask your parents. Um, the observation of holy days and uh, their diet. So Jews had these three distinct things. And basically what they were saying is like, yeah, like Gentiles, you guys are cool. But if you really want to be Christians, you have to do these three things. Paul is saying, no, you do not. We are saved by faith, by grace alone, through faith. Those outer things do not really matter. However, and we're going to see it today, um, a lot of the Gentiles, or at least some of the Gentiles, had kind of given in to this Jewish thought, and they're saying, hey, I guess maybe I do have to keep the law. I guess that Jesus alone isn't sufficient. I have to do these outer things in order that I am accepted by Jesus. That's kind of the context. Does it make sense? The Gentiles are thinking, hey, I think I have to do these outer things in order to be accepted by Jesus. I have to do these outer things in order to be accepted by Jesus. Paul comes in, you foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. So I want to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law? In other words, these outer things... Or, do, or by believing what you heard, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So I'm going to break this down, but I, I, want to just under, I want us to understand something. In this moment here, Paul is trying to catch our attention. He's trying to catch the reader's attention. So um, the translation here that I just read for you, it's from the NIV. Um, there's a Bible scholar, an English Bible scholar, his name's J.B. Phillips, and he translates this same passage just a little bit different. But I like his passage because he is really underscoring what Paul wants you to understand. So can we read his translation? He says it like this, Galatians 3 verse 1. Oh, you dear idiots of Galatia. You who saw Jesus Christ crucified so plainly, who has been casting a spell on you? I want to ask you one simple question. Did you receive the Spirit of God by trying to keep the law or by believing? Surely... You can't be so idiotic as to think that someone begins their spiritual life in the spirit and then completes it by reverting to outward observances. So, so J.B. Phillips understands what Paul's trying to underscore. Literally, he wants, and what's funny is like um, these guys, when they got these letters, they'd be read aloud in church. Now, I don't know if they read, like, the whole thing at once or, like, just in portions, but it can be, I can imagine, like, you know, the person comes in church to read it. He's like, okay, we got a letter from Paul here. Let's read what it says. I think we're going to be encouraged, my fellow Galatians. And opens it up, and he says, oh, you dear idiots. It's just, it's, it's a funny um, thing. I, I was telling um, Heather this week that I was going to call my message, um, listen up, stupid. But, like, we really want people to come to church for the first time. And like believing people are always coming for the first time. And I didn't want to like come up here and be like, listen up, stupid, is the title of my message today. Um, however, it kind of underscores what Paul is trying to say. He's literally saying, listen up. Like, I, I want to catch your attention. And what he says, he says, um, and these guys had not actually seen Jesus crucified. And so the language that Paul is eliciting here, he's literally saying, I painted such a clear picture for you. Like I explained the message of Jesus so well as if you were to see him on the cross yourself. 
And so he says, after I've done this for you, let me ask you a question. He's like, you guys know the story of Jesus. You, you know the good news. So let me ask you this. Did you get here by what you did or by what Jesus has done? That's all I want to know. And, and so for, for, for the people in Galatia and for, the, for us today, a question I want us to ask ourselves is simply this. How did I get here? How did you get here? Like, and I want you to literally think, like, in this place today, where you are today, how did you get here? Was it by what you have done or was it by the grace of Jesus? And, and this is what Paul is saying. And w w when Paul says, like, um, you've seen this picture of Jesus crucified so plainly, um, Paul would have no doubt shared his story to these churches. Paul would have shared his testimony. He would have shared what Jesus had done in his life. And he's like, literally, can I make it any more obvious? My mind's going to Avril Lavigne, skater boy, but I don't know why it's going there. I think that's the devil. Um, you guys know that song? I'll stop. <laughs> How did you get here? He, he painted this picture, and Paul would have shared his testimony, and he would have shared about the grace of Jesus and what Jesus has done. I want us to understand something. If we ever are saying to ourselves, like, man, like, I don't know how to share Jesus. I don't know how to talk to people about God. I want you to understand there is one place and one place only to start, and that is to start with the grace of Jesus. Now, if, if you do not know what grace is, I'll give you a definition, because it's really important. But grace is simply this. Grace is God's favor towards the unworthy. Or you could say God's compassion on the undeserving. And so when, when we think about how do I share Jesus, we start with this idea of grace. In very practical terms, we were unworthy, yet God, through Jesus, made us worthy. And that's like the, the, the theological way of, of saying it and understanding it and, and talking about Jesus. But again, Paul no doubt would have connected the theological with the practical. He would have connected this big idea with grace, with his story. And we kind of talked about his story a little bit a few weeks back, but I kind of want to circle back to it because I think it's important for today. And what Paul would have done, he would have literally told these guys his story. And we're going to go back to the book of Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read us his story because it's important to see what grace looks like in action. So <clears throat> in Acts chapter 9, um, hey, Jake, could you get me a water bottle? Thank you so much. I love you. Um, I was singing too hard. In Acts chapter 9, um, Paul is referred to as Saul. Uh, if you guys remember, I talked about how God comes into his life, changes his story, flips it all upside down. And so here's his story in Acts chapter 9. It's really important. He says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And so he went to the high priest and asked for a letter to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, thank you so much, he may take them uh, as prisoners to Jerusalem. So literally, this is Paul before Jesus. He was there like trying to round up all the Christians, breathing murderous threats, like I'm going to kill you. And he even goes to the high priest in order to get a letter because he wants to make it legal to arrest the Christians. He doesn't like them. Does that make sense? He is the biggest foe that there is for the church of Jesus. And so he says, as I was going to Damascus on my journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around me 
And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice to him say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. So I want to break this down. Paul is literally persecuting the church. He hates the church, hates the people of Jesus. He's going on a journey, not a journey towards repentance. He's just doing his own thing. When suddenly out of nowhere, Jesus comes into his life. And he says, hey, go to the city and I'm going to tell you what you must do. And so he goes and he meets a man named Ananias. And so Acts 9, 17, it says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may be see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he can see again. He got up and he was baptized. So, this is no doubt the story, or at least a version, probably a better version, when Paul tells him in person. But this is the story that Paul would have told the church in Galatia. And I want us to understand why it's so important, because it underscores what grace is. So, here's the question I want us to understand. What did Paul do in order to be chosen by God? You want to know the answer? Nothing. What did Paul do to be rejected by God? Everything. What did God do instead? He chose him. Why? Grace. It's grace. It's nothing to do with what you do, what I do, but all with what Jesus has done. He chose Paul for no reason other than literally he felt like it. Because he is a God that is is lavishing. He wants to pour out grace. He wants to pour out mercy. And Paul would have shared this story to the church. And that's why he says, you idiots, don't you remember this? I I didn't have to do anything. Jesus chose me. And I want you to understand, this is Paul's story. It's your story. And it's my story. There was nothing that you did to get here. It was all Jesus. I I was reading this story, and it connects so much to my story, and I want to just share a little bit of my story, and the reason I want to share my story is I hope it connects to your story, so then you can connect it to his story, talking about God. Whole lot of stories. I'm going to take a drink real quick before I tell my story. Can I do that? Thank you so much. So... um, We've got to go back to when I was, uh, I guess I was like 18 years old. Um, I was in high school. And long story short, I, I wasn't living for Jesus in any way. Um, he did not live or reside in my heart. And uh, like anyone that's in the 12th grade, uh, you have a decision to make, which is like, what are you going to do with your future? And I think I was like a lot of like 17-year-olds. I had no clue what I wanted to do. Um, but I knew like I liked a couple things. Um, I liked Jerry Seinfeld. And um, I liked drama class when I was in high school. And so I kind of had this idea that, like, I could kind of be like Jerry Seinfeld, where I could be a stand-up comedian and then also have my own sitcom. Just small dreams. Um, 
that was kind of like, as far as like future, that was like literally the only thing that like I had any semblance of like something I might do. And so um, at the time, uh, all of my friends, all my best friends, you need to understand this, my best friends I hung out with every single day, all of them went to the U of A. And so I also applied to the U of A, I applied to the fine arts program, um, and I got accepted. And I was well on my way to becoming Jerry Seinfeld. And uh, for whatever reason, um, uh, I also applied to a boarding school, a Christian boarding school that uh, really my sister went to, but I didn't know anyone else. Um, but I applied there as well. And uh, as I look back on the story um, and, and the weightiness of kind of everything and all my friends going one place, um, I didn't go to the U of A. I went to the other school, and it was when I went to this school that God began to change my life. And it was there that I was introduced to the real Jesus. And it was through a whole series of events, I'm keeping it short, um, that kind of in the same way that Paul knocked, uh, or God knocked Paul off of his high horse, um, God kind of knocked me off of my horse. And he basically said, hey, you're not going to live this way any longer. I have something different for you. And when I look back, it wasn't really because of anything I did other than the fact that God decided to choose me. I don't know why. And it was from there that God called me into ministry. And when I look back and I look at all of the ways that God has guided my steps, none of them have ever been because I deserved it. None of them have ever been because I started to pray a little bit more. I was fasting more. Um, I, was, I was really acting more holy. I had stopped swearing. Then God began to speak to me. None of that stuff. God met me in the midst of my mess. And he said, guess what? You're the one that I'm going to choose because I have a plan and a purpose for you. And that's my story. And I'm here to tell you today, that is also your story. Whether you know it or not, there is nothing that you did under your own power. It is only by the grace of Jesus. Acts chapter 17, um, this is Paul speaking elsewhere. He says it like this. He says, for one man, God created all the nations throughout the whole earth. Look at this part. He decided beforehand where they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. This is important. What he's saying is this. He's saying God is this big word, omniscient, omnipotent, all-knowing. Um, God, where you are, God already knew. And where you're going to be, every door, every step, God knows. He's not taken off guard. Right? Like next week, it's like, wow, I can't believe she did that. Really threw me off. God knows every single step. God has determined. And so this is really important. Where we all are is intentional. Your life is not an accident. The reason you are here today is no accident. And so I want you to think back, regardless of where you are in your journey, maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, or maybe just a short while, or maybe you're kind of in, in, in between, like I don't know where exactly I fall. But I know for those of us that have been in church for a long, long time, when you look back at your story, you realize, wait a second, I'm only here by the grace of God. I have no idea why those people took interest in me. I don't really know why they invited me to their group or why they invited me to church. It was kind of really just random. It just kind of happened. But what I'm saying today is that it was not random. It was not a coincidence. God, who is all-knowing, all-good, full of grace, full of mercy, made a way intentionally for you. Why? Because that's just what he does. And maybe you're in this room right now and you're thinking to yourself, well, like, I'm only a Christian because my parents um, are Christians. Well, guess what? That just proves my point doubly. You don't think that God made a way for your parents 20 years ago so they can make a way for you? 
You don't think God saw the whole thing from the beginning to the end, and the reason those people talked to your parents 35 years ago was kind of for them, but it was more so for you? And maybe not even so much for you, but for your child who is not even born yet, that God has such a plan, you can't even fathom it. That's just kind of the God that we serve. He's the God of grace. Where literally, that, that definition again, unmerited favor. When you are unworthy, God still has his plans and his purposes for us in our life. All we have to do is say, hey Jesus, I choose you. And so the point that Paul is trying to make, he's saying literally, guys, we are here by the grace of God. You are where you are by the grace of God. I'm speaking to everyone in this room. You are only here by the grace of God. You would not be here had God not directed your steps. And so this then underscores, because Paul has explained all of this in more detail and vividly than I have. So it explains his frustration. It's like, you idiots. So, so why now do you think that you received God's spirit by trying to keep the law? Or, by belie- or did you get it by believing? He's like, surely you can't be so idiotic as to think that someone begins in the spirit but then completes by reverting to outward observances. You see, all of us, we have these moments. I have these moments, you have these moments. Where like we can step back and look at the big picture and all that God has done. But then there's other times where we kind of like take a micro step back and it's like, you know, it wasn't God. I was the one that chose to go to church. I was, I was the one that made that big decision to go to school. That was me. Had I, not, had I not picked up my Bible, God would have rejected me. No, you think it's grace, Harrison, but it's really like you should see how much I pray. That's why, that's why God is with me. And Paul is just essentially saying, no, no. It's all grace. It's all Jesus. It's all him. In Christian language, there's this debate. And the debate is simply this. Am I saved by faith or am I saved by works? In other words, am I saved by literally just the grace of Jesus or am I saved by something that I do? In other words, an an outward thing that makes me more holy, more saved, more sanctified. What saves us? Is it faith or is it works? If you've been with us in this series, I hope you understand the answer is faith. You are saved by faith, nothing that you do. But it's weird because when you think of this grand meta-narrative, when I talk about grace and the goodness of grace and these stories that God is aligning our steps, the question must be asked, why would I or why would anyone ever even slip into a works mindset? It doesn't even sound that good. What's appealing about it? That there's something you have to do. What's the appeal? God's done it. Yet from generation to generation, person to person, every single one of us slips back into this works mindset. We all do. The story of grace is so good, yet we want to leave it. Why? I believe the answer is really simple. Why do I slip into this mindset? You can write it just one word down. Control. It's control. I'll never forget this conversation. It's, it's, it's ingrained in my, tattoo, in my brain like a tattoo. Um, I was uh, talking with someone, just explaining the goodness uh, of Jesus. And I'll never forget, this person said to me, um, they said, that sounds good, but um, that sounds too easy. Just believe in, it's too easy. Um, ironically, someone else a couple weeks ago said, um, I don't want to take the easy way out. Um, next week, I'm going to get like 
I'm really getting into the, the Bible. Um, and you're going to see it's not the easy way out. It's the only way out. Um, but underneath these thoughts, there's this idea that like, there, there must be something I have to do. There's just, there's, there has to be something. It can't all be God. And like, I didn't hit either of these people with the verse, but I'm going to hit you guys again. Like, Paul says, surely you can't be so idiotic to think that a man begins his spiritual life in the spirit and then completes it by reverting. Why would you go back? The issue is so simple. We have a control complex. We want to be in control. And the reason that we want to go back to this idea of outward observance, in the case of the, the Jews in Galatia, circumcision, not eating certain foods, all of these outer things gives them some semblance of control. Because they can say, I am where I am because of what I did. And whether we know this or not, that is actually something that our flesh craves. We love the idea that I am where I am because of what I've done. This feeds into our culture. We live in this grind culture, right? Like, hey, you want to be a business person? You're sleeping at 4 a.m. Get your stuff together, man. You want to be successful? Don't sleep, don't eat. You put it in because it's input-output. Whatever you put in, you're going to get out. You go to these motivational things. Whatever you put in, you're going to get out. You want to make a million dollars? Put in a million dollars worth of work. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and that actually feeds into something we all want, which is control. Whether you know it or not, we all love the idea that whatever my life looks like, I am in control of how I get there. I love it. Ooh, I can determine my steps and my destiny. But the Bible says that man, come on somebody, makes his plans, but the Lord determines our steps. But we still, we love that idea. Um, and the gospel and the message of Jesus is offensive to our controlling nature. Because the gospel says, guess what? You cannot control God because you didn't do anything. And I think like this control complex is really helping us understand what's happened for the last two years. The reason the pandemic hit us so hard is because it took away the one thing we crave, which is control. But what I want to argue is that it didn't take away control. It took away the illusion of the control you thought you had. Listen, like a lot of us are like, man, the government's taking too much control. I hate to break it to you, but like, you guys got a paycheck recently? The government was taking half of our money before COVID. You guys pay property tax? Like the government owns so much more than we ever wanted to admit. But we just hate the idea like something is controlling me, right? And it's the same thing on the other end of the spectrum, right? This idea like maybe you didn't know this, but you're going to die. Hate to break it to you. Um, you will die, all of us in this room. Death is undefeated except for Jesus. Come on, somebody. But we love this idea of control. And so for a lot of people, when that, like, that, that veil of control has kind of been torn away, they just went into freak-out mode, right? It's like, you saw your grandma, you murderer? That hit too close to home, man. But it's the idea, and the reason our emotions go so high is because when we do all of these things, and I'm not saying they're good, bad, or otherwise, but they give us a level of control. And that is what all of us crave. And so the gospel comes in and says, guess what? I am where I am, not because of what I put in, not because of what I do. I am where I am only because of the Son of Man, only because of Jesus. And that kicks me off of the throne. 
The throne that I so desperately want to live in, and it puts God in the place that he deserves, which is above it all. You see, the greatest sin that we can commit is the sin to try and be God, to try and control God. And this goes one of two ways. We've talked a lot about religiosity. We'll get there in a second. But it also talks about um, morality, like being moral. So a lot of times when we have zero morality, in other words, like no one tells me what to do. Yeah, I understand. God says some things. Nah. Because I'm in control. And no one can tell me what is right. No one can tell me what is wrong, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. And what we're really trying to do is we're trying to take the place of God. We're trying to be God. And on the other end of the spectrum, which we see so much in this book, this religiosity, where there's all of these outward things that you do. You guys ever met a religious person before? Like all of these outward things that they do. And the reason that we do these things is because inevitably we're trying to control God. Because like if, I, if I do this, like God should bless me. Like God should give me exactly what I want because I'm following all the rules perfectly. But at the very end of the day, you can't level up in Christianity. And we don't like that. There's two, there's two titles in Christianity. I know for a lot of us, it's like, man, like when I work harder, I can become a journeyman. Work a little bit harder, I become a CEO. Work a little bit harder, I'm a business owner, whatever it may be. In the kingdom of heaven, there's two titles. Sinner, saint. Both titles, you don't really do anything to deserve them. <laughs> You're born a sinner, and in Christ, you become a saint. And, and I want us to understand this. When you put your faith in Jesus... You are no longer a sinner. You're a saint. And, and like, I know we have a picture, right? Like, I thought only, like, you know, St. Peter and St. Paul. Guess what? You're in Christ, saint, saved, redeemed. But our religious spirit doesn't actually like that. Because it's like, I, I know that church person, like, yeah, they believe in Jesus, but they're kind of a jerk. Like, I think I'm more of a saint than, than they are. No, you're not. You're not. You're the same. In Christ Jesus, we are one and the same. And this is offensive to our nature. And so the reason that we have this pull inside of us is all about control. But at the very end of the day, what Paul is trying to say is that there is nothing that you have done to receive what God has given you. So you can put it like this. Christianity is the only identity that is received and not achieved. Christianity is the only identity that is received and not achieved. It was a gift that God gave that you did not earn. So Paul asks them, that's what he's asking. He said, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? It was a gift. And it is super important that we understand what the Holy Spirit is and what that means. Because Paul is saying, again, the big question he's asking, he's saying, did you receive the Holy Spirit by what you do or was it a gift? What exactly does the Holy Spirit do? Ephesians chapter 1, it says, In Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. This is important. When you heard the word of the gospel, that is your salvation, and you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Look at this. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. So the spirit, and why it's so important, and why Paul is asking them this question, the spirit is literally, are you saved or are you not? People ask the question all the time, am I going to heaven or hell? Wrong question. 
Better question is this. Do you have the Holy Spirit or do you not? How do I get the Holy Spirit? Harrison, what do I have to do? It sounds so cool. sounds so good. Believe in Jesus. And it is the seal of your salvation. Christian people, conspiracy theorists out there for a second. Um, Mark of the beast, right? We love Mark of the beast. Like Harrison, what is the Mark of the beast? Um, Forget the Mark of the beast. Understand better the seal of God. Because if you have the seal of God, you do not have the Mark of the beast. It's not, not impossible. So if you have the Holy Spirit... Hallelujah, you don't have the mark of the beast. Welcome to my revelation talk. So, if you have the Holy Spirit, you are saved, sealed, and redeemed by God. How do I get that? Just believe. That's the message. You want to be saved, you want to be sealed, you want to be secure, just believe in Jesus. And so he asks them, he says, have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? In other words, all that we've been through together... Right? And they probably you know, endured some persecution for a while from the Jews because they kind of held off. Like, no, like, I'm going to keep eating my bacon. It's fine. It's like, Have you experienced so much in vain? So I'm going to ask you one more time because Paul wants to bring them back to that picture of, of the gospel, of this God that chose them. I'm going to ask you one more time, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? Does God give you his spirit? Does God give you his seal and work miracles by what you do or by what he has done? And the answer is as simple. It's all because of what he has done. And there's a cool part here. I'd love to preach on it a different time. He talks about working miracles among you. Um, The Holy Spirit is, is the seal of our salvation, but the Holy Spirit also gives us power. And these things are called spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts, much like the gospel, are, you guessed it, a gift given to us. And so literally, um, when you get spiritual gifts, all of those things, um, you don't have to work for them. And again, it's a whole sermon, but maybe you've ever heard a place like, you know, like you'll get spiritual gifts once you level up, once you get to a certain place, wrong, false. Spiritual gifts are a gift. God gives them and bestows them, not because you deserve it, not because you think you need it, but because he wants to give it to you. Spiritual gifts are a gift. Everything the Holy Spirit gives you is a gift. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's a gift. You guys ever heard that voice of the Holy Spirit saying, like, you should do this or you should not do that? It's a gift every single time. The things he's telling you not to do, it is a gift from God that he's saying, don't do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know they swiped right as well, but don't do it. <laughs> right? It's a gift from God. It's a gift. And he says, again, nothing you did. So he continues and he concludes in verse 6. He says, so also Abraham believed God, and it was credit to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who are faith, have faith, are children of Abraham. For scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, that's you, that's me, by faith. And he announced the gospel in advance to Abraham that all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So um, this Abraham arc uh, is going to continue for the next little while so come back next week because you're like who's Abraham this got random I'm going to explain it I'm going to explain all about why Abraham is important to the idea of grace but what I want to understand for today um, as we look just and kind of conclude this this idea of grace and this idea of the favor of God Abraham is important because Abraham shows up at the beginning of the Bible so can I see your Bible for a second come on somebody it says, this is how I fight my battles. If you guys can see it, this is how you fight your battles. So 
What's important is this, the idea of grace, when Paul talks about it in the book of Galatians, he is not explaining a new concept. He's explaining an old concept. So the book of Galatians, if you can see the Bible, this is, this is near the end, this is Galatians. As Paul is explaining grace, he's not explaining a new concept. And the reason he goes all the way back to Abraham of the Bible. So the point that Paul is going to make, and I'll break it down better next week, but he's saying the God of grace is not a new concept. The God of grace started in the very first book of the Bible, and the story concludes at the very end. God was grace. God is grace. God will always be grace. The story does not change. The gospel is not a new thing, but actually a very old thing, better understood through Jesus. And so I say that to say today, thank you so much, Sid, that whatever you're going through today, I want you to understand. You're saying, Harrison, I want to understand God better. I want to understand Jesus better. Here's the place to start. The language of God is grace. That is the language that he speaks. That is his character. God is slow to anger, full of mercy, full of grace. And so what that means today, I want to speak to someone today. That means all the striving that you've been doing to level up, to be good enough to get to the place that you think you need to go, you can stop today and you can rest in the fact that God has been about grace and God will always be about grace. All we have to do is put our faith, put our trust in Jesus. Can we just stand for a second? With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just believe once again, that God is working in this place. And I don't think that you're here by accident. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that God wanted you here. He needed you here to let you know that he sees you. He loves you. He is for you. He has not given up on you, even though maybe we've given up on ourselves. He is the God of Abraham. And he is the God that I believe is for you today. And so if you've never experienced the grace of Jesus, but you're feeling it now in a way you've never felt before, and you're saying, Harrison, I just want to follow Jesus. I'm done going my way. <clears throat> I would just love to pray for you this morning. Um, just with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you just want to just say, Jesus, I, just, I need you this morning. I just want to give you my heart this morning. Could you just raise your hand for a second? I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, God, you just see every heart in this place. You see every hand. God, I just pray that you can just remove those chains, remove those things that have held us back from experiencing your goodness, that have held us back from experiencing your grace, God. Jesus, I just pray today that every person in this room realizes that we are where we are only because of you. We just thank you for what you're doing in our hearts in this space. Just continue to work through us and in us, God. I just pray for any person that made a decision to follow you today, God, that it is a decision they take the next steps in and just live the life that you have for them. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want to find out more about our church, why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca? We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.